So I am convinced that we, that you, are doing a great and mighty work for God. My confirmation for that is all the resistance that we have been experiencing. This has been a unique season of Advent uh, because we have experienced more resistance, more pushback than normal. And in the midst of that, you are doing amazing things. I mean, we as a church, we've been confronted with multiple illnesses and some very untimely deaths. We're experiencing deep challenges to our work and our ministry. Dana, our preschool director, is doing better, but she is still suffering from her bout of COVID. She has been diagnosed with long haul, and so she has been sick for nearly two months now, nearly three months, nearly three months. She is beginning to come back part-time, working from her home, um, and then periodically coming into the office. But she is not at 100% yet. And so I thought that was bad, (laughs) you know, that, that we missed Dana around here. And then Mary gets sick yesterday. And, you know, this has all happened since I wrote this sermon. So if I needed any confirmation that the evil one is still hard at work trying to dislodge us from the work that we're doing, I got it since yesterday afternoon when Mary went to the hospital. And then we found out that Barbara was in the hospital. And then our sweet, dear little granddaughter went to the hospital. So keep, keep it up, folks. I mean that, seriously. Keep it up. We're going to keep it up. We are going to push. Because we are pushing on behalf of the one who has come to bring us salvation. I mean, just when we were weaving around this COVID virus, then we find out there's a whole new variant, right? And everything's shut down again, at least in New York. <laughs> and, and, and so... You know, we are, we are being pushed. We are being resisted. And we are suffering. Not because of a lack of faith. We are suffering because of our faith. As Alex would say, amen? amen. I'm going to start borrowing that one. Our suffering is happening because you, the church, are being faithful. And thank you for that. A couple of examples. We were notified early October about a need for support for refugees because Lutheran Social Services of the Southwest was receiving hundreds of Afghan refugees. And I shared with you when that word first came out how important that was to me. I'm, I, I, I'm a strong military guy. I don't know if you all know that or not. But I, am, I come from a family of people who have either served in military or government and who have a high respect for our Constitution 
and for who we are as a nation. And when that call came to me, it was like, how could we abandon these people who offered to give their lives for us while they were in Afghanistan? And so, as people of God, these are refugees. These are aliens, people without a home. And we can provide that home for them. And you in particular, you have settled two, so far, you're not done yet, (laughs) um, but so far you have settled two refugee families, fully um, outfitted apartments, uh, fully outfitted food for for a month. Um, And it's uh, food that is new to me. I'm going to try to get some recipes. Um, you know, it's challah bread, it's, uh, you know, falafel, some of my favorites from Middle Eastern food. Um, but, but you've done this. Not only did you do this, but you also, you also gave between the four churches here in the Northeast Valley, Living Water, New Covenant, Christ the Lord, and New Journey in Fountain Hills, the, th- the four of us churches gave $30,000 to LSS so that they could fund a staff person to help with the refugee resettlements. You are doing amazing work. Not only that, but you also provided Christmas presents, Christmas dinners, quilted blankets, Thanksgiving dinners for five Scottsdale families in need, and five seniors from Scottsdale. So not only have you looked far away, but you've also looked close to home. And you have, you have done this. And you've done so much more. That's just the last six weeks or eight weeks. And so for us to experience some hardship, some suffering, yeah, that comes with the territory as Christians. God comes to the lowly and to the least of these with the message of salvation and hope. And so that's why we want to be working with people like refugees. Speaking of, of, a, of a refugee, many of you remember Allie, um, Ali Reza, Husseini, who was part of our worship team, and Allie, Allie's married to Megan Armagon. They live in Irvine, California. We keep up with them regularly, and uh, we probably will see them sometime here over Christmas. Um, but, but it was your welcome to Allie that helped change his life. Um, he and his wife now run a business where they, they educate autistic children. They have counselors and social workers that go in and help these families with these children that have special needs. And it was your welcome, your reception, your support of Ali that enabled him to be able to dream that dream with his wife. So it wasn't a prominent priest who proclaimed this message of salvation, although it should have been probably, But it wasn't a prominent priest or pastor. It was 
two lowly women who told of a royal birth that was to come. One of these women was a teenager, recently pregnant, and yet unmarried. The other woman was an old woman who was barren, unable to conceive. These two women are Mary, the mother of our Lord, and Elizabeth. But first, let's see how we come to know them and their story, because we didn't get that in our reading for today. Zechariah was Elizabeth's husband. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. Part of being a priest was that you were there to help with the festival celebrations, every festival, like the Passover. Um, and so you were, you were at the temple working on those festival days, and then you were assigned one week, uh, two, two weeks out of the 52 uh, weeks of the year to, to serve in the temple. And then you were responsible for going into the temple to offer the sacrifices on behalf of the people. And so Zechariah was in the temple, probably one of his weeks of duty, when an angel named Gabriel came to him and told him that his wife was going to have a child and that that child would be a gifted child because he would prepare the way for the Messiah. I don't know if it was the Messiah part or if it was your wife is going to have a child. But for some reason, Zechariah didn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. He didn't believe the messenger, the angel Gabriel. That's why our message today is called Believing What the Lord Says. Believing What the Lord Says. Zechariah heard the word of the Lord from the messenger, from the angel, that they would be blessed with a child, that this son would grow up to be John the Baptist, and he couldn't believe it. Do you remember the story that God took away Zechariah's ability to speak? So he was mute from the time that he didn't believe the message to the day that his son was born as a matter of fact when the son was born and they asked because they always asked the father to name the child when they asked Zechariah what should we name the child he wrote out on the tablet he didn't say it because he couldn't speak he wrote out on the tablet his name his name will be John so Zechariah had the opportunity to be the priest that got to proclaim the message, and he passed on it. Thankfully, he was married to Elizabeth, kind of like a lot of people say, thankfully, I am married to Patty. And I think we'll soon learn, thankfully, that Alex is married to Annie. The angel Gabriel, after appearing to, to Zechariah, and not having much luck, went on to appear to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But of these two angel manifestations, as I said, only one of them believed. 
Uh, I think you know the end of the story. Zechariah didn't believe it, but Mary did believe what the Lord had said to her through the angel. Now, the angel Gabriel seemed to take offense at Zechariah's unbelief. And that may not be a surprise. This is what the angel Gabriel says. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was God who sent me to bring you this good news. And you're still going to be mute? (laughs) You're not going to say a word? Okay. You won't say a word. So what will you do if God sends you an angel? A messenger with good news. Will you repeat it? Will you share it? Or will you be like Zechariah and be quiet? Well, Mary also saw this angel, Gabriel. And Mary, this teenager, when the angel appeared to her, it's such a beautiful story. It's just a few verses. I wanted to, to reread some of this for you. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Notice how the angel no longer is expecting the male to name the child now. Now he's telling Mary, you're the one that's going to name this child. He'll be very great, and he'll be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom This spiritual kingdom, this powerful kingdom that's coming in the world, this kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born will be holy, set apart. And he will be called... Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary believed the word of God that came to her through the angel. Mary will be blessed with the Savior of the world. But the angel also left her with a clue that she could use to confirm the promise that he had given her. So just in case there was a little skepticism, a little bit of doubt, He gave her a clue. And this was the clue. Your old cousin, Elizabeth, 
she's pregnant. And remember, you're the family. You remember how the family said, well, she can't have any children. She's infertile. She's barren. She won't be able to have any children. So her old cousin, Elizabeth, the angel said, is pregnant. Well, within a few days, guess where Mary was headed? (laughs) Yeah, she was heading to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Now, Mary, do you remember where Mary lived? Where is Mary from? The pop quiz here. Anybody tell me? Nazareth, thank you. She's from Nazareth. And where their cousin lives, Elizabeth, because her husband's a, a priest at the temple, Zechariah, what we know is that he would have lived either in Jerusalem or a village nearby Jerusalem. And it says it went to the hill country outside of Jerusalem, so we can assume that they lived in a little village somewhere outside of Jerusalem. But close enough that he could commute in for work when he needed to be there. And so she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She greets Elizabeth at the door. And while she's greeting Elizabeth at the door, Elizabeth's baby she has been carrying now for six months leaps within her now I don't really have a conception for that because I'm a guy and I've never carried a baby but you women you probably those of you who have carried a baby you probably know what this is like I think my wife would refer to it as a good kick and so at that moment the scripture tells us that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she proclaimed to Mary in her greeting, how is it that I get to receive the mother of our Lord? Wow. I mean, first of all, I find it really remarkable that Mary would take a 60-mile trek on her own as a young pregnant teen. I mean, it was about 60 miles from Nazareth down to Jerusalem, and in that trek, it would have been through some mountainous territory, and even for a young, agile woman, it would take her two to three days to get down there. And so, as she comes to see her cousin, the confirmation is real. Her old, barren cousin, Elizabeth, is six months pregnant. And so if she had any doubts, any questions, at that moment, they were gone. Because everything that the angel told her was true. Now, when Elizabeth and Mary have this time together, when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting at the door and welcomes her, Mary is carrying the Messiah, the king of the Jews. The king of Israel is within her womb. And what they begin to recognize is that both of these pregnancies are a gift from God. These two lowly women, a pregnant teen 
and an old barren woman are now bearing the good news of salvation to the world. Sorry, guys, we had a chance. <laughs> but Zechariah didn't live up to the call. And that happens with your pastor and with all pastors. We don't always live up to the call. But thankfully, there are some lowly who have nothing to lose that will always risk it all for the sake of good news, for the promise of salvation. I mean, we're like Zechariah. Sometimes it's just kind of difficult to believe, right? And it's not just Zechariah. I mean, it's the church, it's pastors, it's house churches, it, it's denominations. I mean, we have all had opportunities to proclaim the good news of salvation to others. And we haven't always picked up the mantle. Zechariah had an opportunity to be blessed, but he couldn't believe God's word. It was too difficult. But that doesn't deter God. You know, that's the good news of this story, is that even though God's word may be rejected on occasion, that will not deter God. God will continue to proclaim the message. God will continue to go out into the valleys, into the low places, and find the lowliest people, the most unsuspecting people. Think of who Jesus called. I mean, he went and spent time with Zacchaeus, a tax collector, and other tax collectors, Matthew, one of his 12. He spent time with those who were ill, and he healed them. He spent time with outcasts, people who weren't allowed to be a part of the temple. So why does God go to the lowly? Maybe it's because those of us who are rich and powerful don't always need God until we do. And so when, when God comes to us, when God raises up messengers for us, most often God has done that by calling forth the lowliest. The the place of society where you wouldn't expect people to be messengers of God. For example, these two women, they were considered to be lowly in the sense that they had no power, no influence, no status whatsoever. For women in that age, if you wanted status, then the way you got it is you married into it. And so what was happening was that these women that God was choosing were, were being called to bear forth the good news of salvation. And when they did that, this is what it says that they were blessed. Elizabeth was blessed, and also Mary was blessed. 
Now, when you take a look at that word blessed, what, what that word means is that you have been elevated. So, like we think about that in our own culture, right? Uh, somebody comes into a, a big job or a big bonus or some big um, event that happens that makes you a lot of money, and all of a sudden we say we're blessed, right? And so the same thing happens spiritually with this word. When you experience an elevation from the lowliest class caste to, or, or being the low, low class to the very highest caste or, or being part of the high caste, then that is what it means to be blessed. But the way the Bible uses it is different because it's not talking about your uh, monetary blessings. It's talking about your spiritual blessings. That now these two women who were considered low have been elevated to be standing next to God. They are marked as God's beloved children. And they have received this special status simply because they did what God asked them to do. To trust and to believe in his word. And you are beloved children of God. We will welcome two new beloved children of God here this morning. And I want you to know that as beloved children of God, you'll be called to go out and to share this good news with others. You are blessed. You're being elevated from the lowliest position to the high. And God is sending his messengers to you. And they are all around. And we are to listen. And we are to hear those messages. And as we hear those messages, what will we do? Will we keep silent, like Zechariah? Or will we share it, like Elizabeth and Mary? Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your word, especially as we come to this season of Christmas, Lord. We pray that you would grant us the ability to trust in you and your word. As the angel Gabriel told Mary and Elizabeth, may that angel tell us so that we might believe and that we might share it with those loved ones whom we know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.